Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz, and this is Ascension Presents. So I thought, I don't know, it's the holidays. Why not talk about heaven and hell? Here's why. You know, there's a scripture where the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Lord, will many be saved? This is the big question. Actually, this is the question not just for back then. This is the question even for now. Lord, will many be saved? We live in a world right now that says, yeah, duh, you just kind of like, just don't be jerky and, you know, don't be Hitler. And yeah, of course. But Jesus says something very different than that. He says, this is a hard word. I'm sorry. I just want to say this right now. This is actually, a, I might be all like, hey, guys, let's talk about heaven and hell. But this is like a serious thing. And here's what Jesus says. He says, wide is the road that leads to destruction and narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. That the wide road is the one most people go down. You just kind of drift, drift through life. That left to our own, left on our own, left on our own. Our natural born trajectory is not towards God, is away from God. Now we have a, a something in us that is that that uh, is made for God. Obviously, we're made for God, but we are also broken. And so, actually, to enter heaven, you have to you have to choose. You have to enter the narrow gate. Jesus says. Wide is the road that leads to destruction. And many are on it. That's a hard, hard word. Especially in our modern day and age. Um, there's a man, his name, is Chris, his name is Christian Smith. He's a sociologist out of Notre Dame now. He used to be out of the University of North Carolina. And um, he did this nationwide study on the spiritual lives of American adolescents, maybe a decade ago or so. And what he found was, um, regardless of whether how someone was raised, whether they were mainline Protestant, evangelical, um, Catholic, Jewish or atheist, almost all American adolescents and now I guess young adults believe they have the same creed essentially. And this creed has five points. He called it moralistic therapeutic deism. Moralistic because it's like, hey, do good, don't be, don't do bad. Um, therapeutic in the sense that God is kind of like your cosmic butler therapist. You know, he's kind of like, just call upon him and there he is. And deistic in the sense that God's not really involved in our day to day lives. Um, he's more distant from us. But one of the five points in the creed of the moralistic therapeutic deism, which is basically the, our cultural, the, our cultural beliefs, like this is what we kind of distill down. We might say, I believe in one God, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, etc. But what Christian Smith found was that most of us just believe this. And one of the five points that most people in America believe is good people go to heaven when they die. Like that, that's it. That's a good people go to heaven when they die. And we don't even define good. Good just basically means you're not Hitler. You're not Stalin. You're not Mao. You're not like, you know, you, you weren't a serial killer. So other than that though, you're probably a good person. Why? Because, you know, I mean, you don't kick dogs when you walk by them. That, that kind of idea, right? Um, you're generous with your time to the people that you like. Good people go to heaven when they die. But the scripture points out that that's actually not what Christianity teaches. That's not what Jesus taught. He said, wide is the road that leads to destruction and narrow is the road that leads to eternal life. In fact, the Bible and the church teach that there are at least you say four, four almost conditions, you might even say, that are necessary to, to go to heaven. One, one is Jesus in John chapter 3 says, unless you're born again of water and the Spirit. So baptism is one. In John, you won't enter eternal life. In John chapter 6, Jesus says that unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will not have eternal life. So the Eucharist is one. Um, scripture says that uh, if you profess with your lips and believe in your heart, Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. So faith is critical. 
But then also, Jesus, uh, in response to his disciples who say, you know, Lord, Lord, we knew you, we ate and drank with you. He says, unless you do the will of my Father in heaven, you should not have eternal life. So there's at least four things, you know, in, in the scripture that point out that are like, you need to have these in order to have eternal life. And none of them are, you need to be a good person. None of them are, hey, don't be a serial killer. None of them have anything to, well, not have anything to do, they're, I guess, ancillary, but none of them say, hey, just naturally grow into heaven because that's what we think, right? We think we're just left to ourselves, left on our own. We're the kind of people who just would naturally grow to the people who would be able to step into heaven when we die. But scripture says, no, baptism, Eucharist, faith, doing the Father's will. So where does that leave us? Well, it could leave us pretty sad. And that's okay. Like, that's okay. We have to come to terms with this. This is so important for us. We have to come to terms with the reality that um, heaven is not like a prize for those who are good when they die. Heaven is, if I've re reoriented my life towards Jesus, if I've reoriented my life um, by his grace, if I've reoriented, reoriented myself to do the Father's will as I know it, then that's where I'm headed. But if I don't reorient my life, then that's where I'm headed. Because here's the thing, we're, we're, we're created good, right, in God's image and likeness, but we're broken. So what that means is we're born with a certain trajectory. That trajectory is if left on our own, we would not go to God, we would go away from God. Here's the phenomenon, that's the bad news. That's the bad news, but that's the reality. That's the real news. We don't like to think about it, but it's true. The good news is we're not left on our own. That's the crazy thing. The good news is we are not left on our own. In fact, the Catechism teaches this. It says, basing itself on sacred scripture and the teachings of the fathers, like, you know, the first Christians and whatnot, there is no one who has ever lived, whoever is living, who, or whoever will live, for whom Christ did not suffer and die. There's no one that God doesn't want. There's no one that God isn't actively calling. Think about this. Just imagine this. At this moment, you are someone that God is actively calling to be in relationship with him. There's no one who ever has lived, is living, or ever will live for whom Christ did not suffer and die. What we have to do is cooperate with that. We have to answer the response. Answer the, we have to give a response to the invitation. Think of it in terms of, I don't know, say you were invited, think of it in terms of invitation. Say you were invited to someone's wedding. There's actually, it's biblical there. You're invited to someone's wedding. Unless you, you're invited, you, there's a place for you. There, you might even RSVP and say, yeah, I'm coming. But unless you actually go there, you don't just end up there. Unless you make the decisions that get you to the wedding feast, you're not at the wedding. Let's actually dial it back here. You are wanted by the bridegroom. You're, he wants you at his wedding. He wants you to, he wants to celebrate with you. So he's extended the invitation to you. Now you and I might be someone who's like, ah, uh, okay, maybe I'll, I'll decide later. Maybe you didn't know you had an invitation. Maybe you checked yes, but haven't put it back, the RSVP back in the, in the, in the mail. Maybe you checked yes and mailed it back, but now you have to get ready. You have to make other arrangements in your life. You have to change your schedule in order to get to the wedding. Because if you don't do those things, the wedding will still happen. You'll still be someone who's wanted there. You'll still be invited there. But unless you make the decision, you won't be there. So here's the, the big question is like, what about those people who don't know? What about those people who never had a chance to get baptized or receive Holy Communion? What about the people who, I, they've never heard of Christ or his church? You know, the Catechism actually says something about this as well. 
it says, we hold out hope, the church, we, as Christians, we hold out hope that those who through no fault of their own do not know of Jesus or of his church may, by God's grace working in their lives, if they respond to the good, they choose the good that they do know, we hold out hope that they too may be saved through Jesus Christ. Right? So, so we don't ever judge anyone and say, you're going to hell or you're going to heaven kind of thing. It's like, we, there are those who, through, we hold out hope that those through no fault of their own don't know, they just don't know of Jesus or of his church. But, but here's the important thing, by God's grace, they're continuing invited and God continues to pour out his grace, they choose the good that they do know. Why can we hope this? Well, for many reasons, but one of those reasons, it, well, two reasons. One is the character of God. We know he loves every human being. There's no one who, for whom Christ did not suffer and die. But also the good thief who didn't get baptized, who didn't receive Holy Communion. He kind of sort of professed faith in Jesus saying, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. But he had no other opportunity to do the Father's will. And Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Say, okay, Lord, if we can hope, if the good thief can hope, then we can hope. If, if, think about this, if the mom of the good thief could hope that her boy would make it to heaven, then you moms and you dads can hope that your kids can make it to heaven too. This does not let us off the hook. Why? Because Jesus said, the road is wide that leads to destruction and many are on it. And narrow the gate that leads to eternal life. But then he says this key word. He says, so you strive. So you strive. What about those people? What if they don't go to heaven? I don't know. That's not, it's important, but the question you and I have to answer is, what am I doing? Not what are they doing? What am I doing? What about all those people over there? No, no, no. You strive to enter the narrow gate. We can hold out hope that many are saved. We should. We should pray for that. But Jesus says, you strive. Like, what about those other people? What about this person? No, no, no. That they're important. God loves them. But you strive. Can we hope that many are saved? Absolutely, we should hope that. We should pray for that. Um, can we hope that we're saved? Absolutely, we should hope uh, for that. We should pray for that. We should make choices. We should strive for that. We can pray that many, many people are saved. That many, 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 many people go to heaven and, and can experience that wedding feast they've been invited to. But no one gets there by drifting. No one gets there just by naturally growing there. We only get there by God's grace and by choosing him with our whole hearts. Something to pray for. It's heavy, but it's hopeful. For all of us here at Ascension Presents, my name is Father Mike. God bless. Hey, uh, like, comment, subscribe. Do all the things. Share it. Pray for people. Don't give up. Hope. Strive. Strive. <laughs>